tangent, to break off suddenly from a line or train of thought and pursue another course. Webster's. Welcome to episode 12 of Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast. The only podcast taking you issue by issue through DC's Tangent Universe events. A series of books published by DC Comics where an entire new universe was created, based upon a foundation of only the names of existing DC properties. My name is Michael Bradley, and with me, as always, is the other half of your completely awesome podcast hosting duo, Sean Engel. Um, completely awesome? Sure. We'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> kind of mediocre? That that probably fits a lot better. <laughs> okay. This time we are continuing our journey through the second wave of tangent titles with what is maybe the weirdest entry yet. Um, we've seen in the past couple episodes the Tangent Universe versions of Batman and Superman, and now we get the third member of the DC Comics Trinity, Wonder Woman. But it's not the princess from a tribe of Amazons. No, this time it's, well, it's Peter David. <laughs> and, and right now you're picturing Peter David in a Wonder Woman costume. But yeah. thankfully, that's only in your head because there's nothing like that in the book. Thank God. <laughs> Instead, it's, you know, Peter David's involvement here is in the cap- capacity of writer, as Peter David is in his most... Peter Davidiness. Yes, this is very Peter Davidy. We can we can definitely agree on that. But before we get into that, we've got to talk about you and specifically your emails. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple this time out. First one, of course, is from Gene Hendricks once again. He is the uh, podcaster who does shows over at the Two True Freaks site, like uh, Anime Freaks, Legends of the Superheroes, the Quantum Cast, and the Hammer Strikes podcast. All those great shows that you can go check out at twotruefreaks.com. He writes in with the title, the subject title, Doom Patrol, and he says, Gents, normally I don't like time travel because it typically isn't done very well. Doctor Who being a market exception. One thing I like is predestination, meaning that everything is supposed to happen the way it does, and usually trying to change the events actually causes the events. The book The Anubis Gates by Tim Powers is a really good example of that. This issue sounds like it follows that concept, diverging at the end so that they can actually save the world. It's different, I'll give it that, but I'd almost rather Dan Jurgen stuck with it and had the heroes be the cause of Earth's destruction, especially since it was at the end of the run. 
That's an interesting take on it. This is a denser side of the line so far, but I might give it a pass based on what Jurgens was going for. The story does create a paradox, as Michael stated, which can be explained as parallel timeline being created, as Sean said. This is a typical comic book way to handle the situation, but I don't like paradoxes, unless it's a Gilbert and Sullivan song. When you had left our pirate fold, we tried to raise our spirits faint according to our custom bowl with quips and quibbles quaint. But all in vain the quips we heard, we lay and sobbed upon the rocks oh. until to somebody occurred a startling paradox. A paradox! A paradox! A most ingenious paradox with quips and quibbles heard in flocks, but not to beat this paradox. <laughs> a paradox, a paradox, a most ingenious paradox. <laughs> this paradox. I love a good paradox. <laughs> <laughs> paradox. Uh, I like that song as well. In my opinion, time travel is either of the predestined type or it's the changeable type. This story is an unsatisfying mix of the two. A good attempt, but it falls short. As we are at the break here, I want to thank you both for going through this line. I've enjoyed your coverage from the beginning, or why else would I write in so much? I don't know. Maybe you've got plenty of time on your hands, Gene. We could give that as, as an example. But it has made me want to track these stories down and give them a read. Oh, definitely do that. I'm looking forward to the next wave, Gene. Yeah, I think we did kind of say that it did kind of feel off the, the Doom Patrol storyline simply because it melded the predestination aspect of time travel with the fact that time travel could be immutable and could be changed right so that it definitely didn't have any distinct way uh, it, it, the the time travel aspect wasn't as distinct as it could be so maybe that's why it in the end didn't succeed as well as Dan Jurgen's other book in the first episode or the first run of the tangent line yeah what was the first? Oh, the Adam. Yeah, the Adam. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it was it was enjoyable, but yeah, the the time travel stuff it makes you think, but when it makes you think to the point that you're bleeding out your nose, that's probably not the good kind of thinking that you want to be doing. Yeah, I mean, it just I don't. Know, I, I guess we kind of said all we had to say about it in the episode, but it it was just. It, it didn't make a lot of sense when you really put the, put the thought into it. Yes. But, uh, but the next comment is actually a website comment, which comes from Dave McElvaney. And he writes it, – it's about the same uh, issue and episode. And he wrote, I want, I want to say that I started listening to this podcast about a month ago, and I finally caught up with all the episodes. I never read the Tangent books or even heard of them until I started listening to your podcast – but I must say, Sean and Michael, that what you've done here is amazing. You've made me interested in hearing about comics I'd never read. So much so that I went out and bought the trade paperbacks collecting these stories. That's very cool. Nice. I'm just getting into the stories, reading them, obviously, but I wanted to address a question you posed in this latest episode about whether the back matter appears in the trades. At least in Volume 1 which is from Adam number one to Sea Devils number one, the only non-story material included is, before each story, character sketches for that particular issue. 
For example, for the Atom story, there are sketches of the three generations of the Atom and a sketch of the modern technology by Dan Jurgens. If there was more than this in the original comic, we don't see it here. Hmm. That's that's too bad because there there was a lot of we we get the sketches in the books, but the the uh, uh, the text talks kind of about the uh, creative process and how the characters came up with the the versions they did. But uh, but anyway, Dave continues. I'm really taken with the defining concept of this series of having only the names in common with the standard DC universe. It really seems like a much more extreme version of the recreation of heroes in the Silver Age. But in those cases, it was more than just the names they shared with their Golden Age versions. Your discussion of these books is truly engaging, and I'm looking forward to the ride as it continues. Thank you for your knowledge and passion. Well, thank mm. you very much, Dave, for your, your great comments. Yeah, we appreciate that. Yeah, the passion will definitely give, will definitely cop to. Knowledge will will say, sure, we can fake it. Yeah. <laughs> At least, at least I'll say sure I can fake it. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's been it's been a great time covering these these issues. And like you, David, I think I was a little uh, I I had seen like I've said before I had seen the ads for it and took it as something that I probably wouldn't like. But thankfully, Michael steered me in the correct direction, and I I've been enjoying enjoying the comics far more than some of the stuff that I'm reading currently. So I'm glad that we got you to go pick up the trades and uh, start reading along with it. It's It's been it's been great fun. Yeah, it, it makes me happy that people are going to pick these up. You know, we're not shilling for DC Comics and we don't get a kickback from when people go buy them, but you know, I, I like that people read good comics. Mm-hmm. And if I can encourage them to read comics that I find that are good, then that makes me happy. Yes, and that's that's always. I think that's kind of what when we do comic book podcasts that we're that we're hoping people do that we're hoping we're getting people who listen to the shows interested enough that they'll be willing to go out and find these books and track them down and see for themselves if they're enjoying them as much as we are. So that to hear people give feedback about that is is always is always a pleasure. But speaking of feedback, we also have another email this time out, and this one comes from Mark Lax. He writes in with the uh, title Doom Patrol. He says, hey, guys, just wanted to drop a quick line about the Tangent Universe. Doom Patrol is actually the first episode of the podcast that I've listened to. I did read some of the comics when they came out, and while I found the concept interesting, it didn't do a whole lot for me. Dan Jurgens is one of my favorite comic writers and creators of all time, and I've been collecting for over 30 years. I thought I would have enjoyed this more at the time, but it just didn't hit me the way I expected. Listening to you guys talk about the books and the universe as a whole has actually gotten me intrigued enough that I'm going to go back and listen to all the episodes and possibly even try to scrounge up some of the issues for a reread. I really enjoyed the show and look forward to the next wave of episodes. Great job, guys. Thanks. Your friend, Mark Lax. Uh, again, we get the the idea that people have been intrigued enough by us doing the show that they're giving these books that they might have dismissed at the time a second look. So again, this is that's really rewarding to hear that you're doing that, Mark. I hope you do seek out some of these books and you know uh, do give them a read because, like I've said, even even the ones that we've been kind of down on, like the the Sea Devils and the Flash issues, have been enjoyable reads on their own. So, yeah, I, I hope you find some. Uh, like Shaga said, find your comic book joy, and if this is part of it, definitely, definitely check it out. Yes. 
Sean and Michael claiming as a victim. <laughs> but I think that's it for emails and comments right now. Uh, do we want to go ahead and head into the book? I think so. Okay, well, I have got coverage this time out of Tangent Comics, Wonder Woman, number one. This had a cover date of September 1998 and was released, like the rest of the books, on July 29, 1998. Cover price of $1.95 US and $275 Canada. And uh, the title, well, they don't give it a title uh, it just might be wonder woman the writer was peter david the penciler was angel unzueda i'm going to say the anchor was jamie mendoza the colorist was pamela rambo separations were by jameson the letter was comic craft the cover art was by gene haw we've got special thanks go to joe illage the deep thinker was eddie braganza okay and Tangent, of course, was based on concepts by Dan Jurgens. Not to interrupt you. No, go ahead. You, but before you get into your uh, synopsis, I've noticed all three issues so far in the second wave have had that special thanks to Joe Illich. So, and he was a former, or maybe even a still current, uh, writer and editor at DC Comics. So, but he didn't write any of the Tangent books. So, hmm. I wonder if maybe he wasn't maybe a, a driving force at getting the second wave going. That could be a possibility. That that may be something. If if we we are looking into getting an interview with Dan Jurgens, maybe that's something that we could ask him. That mm-hmm. we need to keep in mind of asking him when we uh, get to that uh, interview, if possible. So. That, that'd be interesting to figure out what what Joe Illich had to do with these uh, second run of books. Yeah. But anyway, the synopsis. In the city of Las Vegas, world's finest reporter Lori Lamaris is covering the opening of the Super Friends Casino, which was built over the remains of the former casino, Paradise Island, mm-hmm. when an alien spacecraft crashes right in front of her. Asking if her cameraman, Ambush Bug, is getting all this, Lori approaches the wreck and witnesses a towering feminine alien emerge. Lori asks the green-skinned giantess who she is, and the alien replies, I'm Wanda, girl. Hearing her incorrectly, Lori assumes that she said Wonder Girl and thinks the moniker of Wonder Woman would fit better. To make matters worse, Lori asks Wonder Woman why she's here, something that sets sidekick Woozy Winks into a tizzy. Pondering the question, Wanda starts to wonder about the nature of existence and her purpose for being which would all be well and good if it weren't for the approaching ship firing lasers at her. Woozy tells Wanda to defend herself, which she does, while continuing her monologue about existence by slicing the incoming craft in two. But the battle doesn't end here, as out of the wreckage appear two more aliens, a blue-skinned element girl named Pharaoh, and a behemoth barbarian beast boy named Gar, 
who engaged in the Fighty McFightenstein, copyright Andrew Leyland, 2011, all rights reserved, with the philosophizing female. Demanding an explanation for all of this destruction in downtown Vegas, Lori and Ambushbug are holographically transported to the planet of Gotham by Woozy. He explains that on the planet of Gotham, genetic experimentation had halted the aging process, allowing the Gothamites to pursue more cerebral beliefs. But the same experimentation led to the genders taking on radically different developmental paths, the females pursuing intellect, and the males becoming more primal. This led to gender-based warfare, which has adversely affected the society. So, in an attempt to stop the violence, an element girl named Lena Thoreau combined the genetic material of a beast boy and an element girl to create a united being which she called Wanda. The creation took the best of both genders, the intellect of the element girls and the fighting ferocity of the beast boys, and combined and even amplified them into a near-perfect being. Thoreau also combined the weapons of the Gothamites, the bat and the orang into the wait for it batarang for Wanda to wield. Of course, when Lena revealed her creation that was meant to unite the opposing genders of Gotham, she was brutally murdered and her creation branded an abomination. Wanda and Woozy fled the planet in experimental Starfire spacecraft, but were pursued by the element girl and beast boy to Earth, where all the trouble is still going on. But that is soon put to an end as Wanda comes to the conclusion that she has become more than her creators. Therefore, her creators no longer exist. And with a single thought, Wonder Woman puts everything back as it was, repairing all the damage caused by the crash and sending her pursuers back to Gotham. Telling Warian Bug that Wonder Woman has the power to reorder time if she thinks enough, Uzi proclaims that she might be the most dangerous being on this world and it would behoove people to treat her properly unless they want to get sent out into the cornfield. As the aliens prepare to depart, Lori suggests that in order to keep a low profile, they find a way to turn her ship invisible. Closing the canopy, Wanda tells Lori, an invisible ship? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Okay. You know that explosion at the beginning of the Wonder Woman theme? Mm Mm-hmm. That's my brain exploding. (laughs) Yes. uh, As we said at the beginning of this, this is Peter David. Just being Peter David and skewering gender roles and intellectualism and religion and whatever sacred cow he can slaughter. Um, It doesn't doesn't feel mean-spirited. So that's nice. It just feels like he's having a big goof. Yeah, um, I, I like Peter David. I, I like his Supergirl run and Young Justice, and, and I haven't read all of his Hulk run and not much of his X Factor, but I, I like what I have read there. And he does kind of take the mick out of stuff. At times, though, I think he's kind of reaching for the jokes on in this issue. Yeah, I, I do think the idea of of this philosophizing female whose whose combat skills are sort of just innate and secondary who who's able to reorder time and existence simply if she thinks hard about it enough is an interesting concept but it just essentially is it's a forum for Peter David to 
philosophize throughout the entirety of the book. I mean, it's not bad necessarily, but it's just it's very different. This this to me might be the sea devils of the uh, second line of the tangent book. I mean, it's not. <laughs> it, it it just it just feels sort of out of place from what we've gotten with the so far that what we've gotten with a narrative storyline in the second wave of tangent books and in, in the Batman book and the Superman book, we got references to the, to the uh, EMP pulse that has devastated the planet and things going on. And this is just kind of in no way related to that in its own little thing, yeah. kind of akin to what the sea devils was. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it is almost completely disconnected from the other tangent books. We, we have Lori Lamaris and world's finest, but that's, there's really no connection to anything else we've read, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it, still, it, it wasn't terrible, as terrible as I remembered it being. Um, I can't say I'm interested in reading any more of this character, but it was it was a fun read for what it was. It, it, it's one of those books where you really have to kind of pay attention and read every word and follow her philosoph- philosophical ponderings, or chances are you might be lost by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Or you can just essentially, uh, you know, not read any of her philosophical ponderings and just look at the pretty art and see the big fight sequence and go from that. Yeah. But you know, the, I think the entire reason Peter David wanted to write this is because he wanted to do a lot of philosophical spewing of ideas, and he gets in a, a good opportunity to do it. Yeah, fair enough. Do we want to share the joke? Go right ahead. The, the 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 story opens with a joke. Descartes is sitting in a bar. Bartender says, "Hey, Descartes, want another drink?" Descartes says, "I think not," and immediately immediately disappears. <laughs> oh, oh, Peter David, you you nutty nutty guy. So, do we want to take a little break before we get into our uh, notes for this? I think so. Maybe, okay. Maybe do a force reboot on my brain and, <laughs> and come back. Uh, we'll 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 hold up a little while for that. Oh, thanks, <laughs> pal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you enjoy time travel in general and the Silver Age of comic books in particular? If so, join me each week on the Superman Fan Podcast. My name is Billy Hogan, and I will be your host. Together, we'll crash through the time barrier and fly into the past to explore the Silver Age adventures of Superman. One week, we will take a look at the Superman family of titles, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, World's Finest Comics, and soon, Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane. The next week, we will feature the Man of Steel's titles, Superman, and Action Comics, which will include the Supergirl stories during her run in the back of that title. You can join me each week on Wednesday or Thursday at the supermanfanpodcast.blogspot.com, which is available on iTunes. And your emails are always welcome at supermanfanpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to wear your red indestructible cape. Emergency. 
Batman speaking, warning all of you to brace yourselves for big news. The biggest. Tell them, Robin. Holy surprises, Batman. It's really exciting. Greetings, citizens. Join me, your old bat chum, John S. Drew, on my journey to discover what it is I love about the classic 1966 Batman television series on the Batcave podcast. Each episode, I'm joined by a guest host as we review the classic television series. There's a new episode every two weeks. Same bat time, same bat channel on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or at thebatcavepodcast.com. Holy memoranda, folks. Make a note not to miss it. Good thinking, Robin. So we're back to talk about Wonder Woman and Peter David. Yes, yeah, I think Peter David probably will will, will take a lot of a lot of the time that we're going to be spending on the, our coverage of this book. Yeah. Um, so let's. You want to start with the cover? Like what yeah, let's do? go ahead and do that. All right. It's a very dynamic cover, and a lot like the Superman cover. This is not at all what you expect when you think Wonder Woman. No, in fact, I you know when I initially looked at this, I thought, oh, is this uh, sort of is Wonder Woman somehow related to the Sea Devils because mm. her look was very did have that kind of look of the the evolved uh, aquatic life of Sea Devils, but no, she's supposed to be an alien character. Um, I, I in the back better, it's listed that Jean Ha was actually supposed to be the artist that designed Wonder Woman, and the uh, cover is. Uh, drawn by gene haw he has a bit of a different style than angel uzaneda yeah or unzueda uh he's a bit more he, he tends to draw a bit more definition on the characters unzueda has more a uh, sort of an anime feel but it's the cover definitely has an anime feel as well with it it, it looks like one of those scenes out of you know, uh, my only real anime sort of references like Pokemon, where the the Pokemon are fighting or whatever, and you see the speed lines coming and the Pokemon's jumping or mm-hmm. shooting whatever its energy at the other Pokemon. But yeah, it's it's a it's a very anime inspired cover here. Is this the first issue we've had where the cover artist has been different than the interior artist? Um, I'm kind of thinking it might be because I'm trying to think back. I think, think I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, I'm pretty because I'm pretty certain everyone who's done the cover art for yeah this this actually is yeah Gene Haw is the actually the first cover artist that wasn't the interior artist so yeah good catch. Kind of wish Gene Haw would have done the interiors, but yeah, I, I like Gene Haw's art. Like I said, it's a, a lot more realistic. It's a lot more the the, the characters look a lot more physical than what we have in here like i said the artwork inside it's not bad but it does seem seem a bit more cartoony mm-hmm. uh oh, but getting into the the page by page where where do your notes start well i i've got to start on page two with the uh ship crashing in for a moment i didn't know what the heck they were crashing into but i've got to assume it was the mgm uh Oh. See, because I, I I saw the 
the letters there is like mom. Why would they have a mom? Um, yeah, see, I was you know, trying casino. to figure that out too. I didn't know if it was supposed to be mom or wow or. Yeah, I, I didn't know either. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think since it is Las Vegas, it is MGM, and they do have a couple of uh, images that uh, do look very specific to Las Vegas. I was kind of wondering how they got the Kitty Hawk running uh, up and again after it exploded in the <laughs> Doom Patrol issue because that definitely uh, has a design very similar to that. Um, page three. Uh, I found it amusing that uh, the casino, the Super Friends Casino, is being built on the uh, former casino, former casino that was Paradise Island, yeah. as in Pear, P-A-I-R-O, Dice, D-I-C-E. So, yeah, see, you see what they did there. See what they did there. Yes. So, like I said, I think he had he reaching a bit for the jokes. But. Yeah, well... Uh, that's that's kind of Peter David. I think when he wants to do the sort of broad comedy, it can. I think he succeeds more than he fails. But this is there. There are sort of grown worthy parts in here. Um, one of them, I think, would be on page three, having the uh, the cameraman being ambush bug. <laughs> I just I yeah. couldn't abide by that. Um, page four, I guess, uh, the second panel here where we see the introduction of Wonder Woman, we've seen that the, that the, uh, M's from the MGM thing have crashed down and fallen exactly upside down to create a double W behind this, right. behind the Wanda character, obviously signifying Wonder Woman. So yeah, it, artistically, yeah, uh, it's, it's a nice sort of image trope. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> well, it's getting the W's out there because I mean, that's, traditionally that's Wonder Woman's chest. Yes. And well, and, and the design the design of the alien is interesting, I guess. I, I really don't I, I really don't have much to say about yo know, the 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 book all that much there's yeah, I'm, I'm stretching for stuff you know it's it's an interesting book but it's all sort of based on peter david's writing and his uh you know philosophy or his philosophizing throughout the book mm-hmm. uh um yeah i mean my notes are very sparse the, the 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 first note i had was really on page seven okay you know uh I, I I might as well comment about Woozy. Obviously, Woozy Winks is a character from the Golden Age Plastic Man, I believe. Yes. He was his uh, sort of sidekick, uh, former criminal turned uh, good guy that helped out Plastic Man. And in here, he's sort of a kind of C-3PO, R2-D2 hybrid that's got a sort of floaty body i guess he's sort of orco as well from oh uh, i'm sorry from master of the universe but yeah he's it's something i do i do like the on the character design the way his headpiece kind of wraps around uh the center of his face to look sort of like a mustache yeah i didn't i didn't really take that into account that is kind of a kind of a neat uh aspect of his character design uh, what did you have on page seven? Uh, just to say that, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the art in the book, 
which is really more of a matter of my taste than the art itself. But the bottom panel here, where she lands with the the, the bat orang behind her, it's a very very cool panel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and again, like I said, very anime inspired. Uh, you've got the speed lines coming in behind her, and her pose is is very much of a uh, sort of samurai type uh, ninja ass type pose here. It's it's for what for the type of artwork that it is, it's decent. But if it's not exactly your style, you may not be as enthused as it as other people. Yeah, I mean, just, again, it's just a personal taste. I, I like the the more uh i guess normalized and, and, and uh quote-unquote realistic type art like the mike mccone and dan jurgens type art mm-hmm. than yeah. the highly stylized stuff but yeah the, that's that's exactly this is very stylized very anime type type inspired art um page eight it wasn't until i was doing my notes that i got the joke about the guy's name He's he's part of the Beast Boys, and they refer to him as Gar because yes. that's all he says. And then in, in the DC universe, Beast Boy is Garfield Logan or, or Gar Logan. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I caught that as well. And again, it's just Peter, da- Peter David kind of taking the make out of yeah. this storyline and just putting it in his own his own little goofy humorous tropes. So you know, I, if you like, I think if you like Peter David and like Peter David being kind of snarky comedic you might mm-hmm. like this a bit more than we do oh I, um, I like the I like the snarky comedic stuff of it mm-hmm. I don't know I it's, kind of feel like maybe he was trying a little too hard on yeah I think I, I think the the philosophy you know Wonder Woman just sitting there wondering wondering <laughs> exactly is just I don't want to say it's pretentious but it just doesn't really engage me. I you know after a while reading through the story for like the second time or whatever, I was just skipping over a lot of Wanda's dialogue as she's going, well, when you know what if I truly don't exist or what if I truly think but only think to think. I you know to think I think I mean that would mean I'm not. I'm like uh it's the once, circular logic of it just makes your brain hurt. Once you've read it and you know the ultimate conclusion, then reading it again just becomes uh, you know, it, it's unnecessary and, and kind of weighty, and you, you don't need to read it. It's like yes. it's like a slog to get through it again. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know what? That 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 is true. There's the readability or the rereadability value of this book <clears throat> isn't necessarily enhanced by the dialogue of Wonder Woman. In fact, it's kind of diminished by it because now that you know her philosophizing eventually leads to the outcome of her resetting everything, there's no real reason to go and delve into this sort of deep, heady type dialogue that she's putting forth. Right. Um, um. I do like on page 10 – I've got a note there. I like that her fighting is completely instinctual mm-hmm. as as she just parries the two attacks while she's still doing her philosophizing on all this stuff. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, do you have any notes after that? Um, I had a, just a general note kind of later in the book around page 13, 14, 15 when, I talk, when they're talking about the origin. And then it was – I like the origin. You know, it's very – kind of 
typical science fiction opposed to the rest of the book, which is heavy action and and a thick layer of philosophical babbling. And and maybe that's why I do enjoy this a little more than you might think, despite it being wackadoo crazy, because it does hit a lot of different tones and, and does keep things interesting. Yeah, well, it's not like I think we've said, it's not bad. Like I said, we attribute it, at least I attribute it kind of the Sea Devils in the first run, which was probably the one that I didn't like the most, but it doesn't mean that I'm saying that it's a bad issue. It's right. just not as good as you know what we've seen before. Last last episode, we dealt with the Superman issue, which I think we thought was superlative. Mm-hmm. It was perhaps one of the best ones in all the tangent line. And when we're following up with this, this sort of goofy, off-the-wall, uh, philosophizing issue, it's just uh, kind of a kind of a switch that we're maybe not just uh, all that into. But um, I will admit I like the uh, panels uh, where they're being transported back or sort of seeing the hologram of what's going on between the, uh, the uh, element girls and the beast boys on the planet of Gotham. Uh, I like I like also how the uh, the characters of Lori and Bug and Woozy sort of look like uh, color forms on these pages. Yeah, and I, maybe that would have enhanced the book if this would have been a color form book. That would have been cool. Well, it was the '90s, and there that's, were color form comics or covers tr- anyway. So. That's true. Well, then you know maybe maybe we can talk to Jan, Dan Jurgens, and if they do, <laughs> because the '90s are coming back. You know, I know I know they did the Doomed story over in uh, the New Fifty Two, so they could do a color forms version. Maybe they could do that for the tangent books. Um, of course, it would probably cost you know twelve bucks for the issue if they did that uh, today. But um, I like the addition of Lena Thrall as the mm-hmm. scientist who creates Wanda. It's a nice callback to uh, the original Lena Thrall being related to Lex Luthor, yep. who was also a scientist intent on saving the planet. So, um, well, I'm, maybe saving the planet wasn't his first intention. You know, destroying Superman was, but you know, uh, six of one, half a dozen of the other. He was misguided. That's true. Uh, my next note is on page 19. They fused the uh, two weapons of the uh, of the of the characters, the bat and the orang, to create the bat orang. <laughs> That's silly. I just noticed uh, going back one page to page 18 yes. when when she's in the. Uh, big tube kind of a venus yeah that is that is she does have a she does uh, the artwork style definitely does show her in the uh sort of venus position mm-hmm. for the oh it's not is it michael or is it michelangelo's or is it da no, Vinci's? that was a uh... i know i know which one that's her on the shell yeah because i've I've seen that so often. I cannot remember who the artist is. I'm certain we could look it up, but you know why? Why do research for this it's show? The it's birth more of fun. Venus is the name. Of the yes, painting. the birth of Venus yeah. is the one. But, but yeah, that's a good catch there. But yeah, the the batarang thing. That's again just <laughs> more goofiness. Page twenty. Even in comics, the only thing that can truly bring together disparate parties is the shared desire to kill anything that seeks to bring them together. Mm-hmm. Well, 
know, as 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 you do, you know, it's it's nice to have something to unite people, you know, in their global cause as a, as a uh, thing that's supposed to bring peace. So that's that's always good. Um, my next notes on twenty two. Let's see. I, I like the fact that the uh, Tangent Universe version of Treasure Island, and the you know again, this is uh, you. You can tell that uh, Angel Unzueta obviously has been to Vegas because a lot of these icons, these buildings, look very familiar. That the uh, Treasure Island Casino here in the uh, third panel is actually called Psycho Pirates. So <laughs> I enjoyed That's a good that. Catch. That's a good catch. Uh, but yeah, the, a lot of the stuff looks familiar. The next, uh, the next building looks like it's probably the Mirage, which has a uh, a volcano that erupts out in front of it. You know, that, because yeah, go ahead, Mister Miracle. No, no, it actually says it actually says the Mirage. Yeah, I think so. In yeah, the fourth panel. That, yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, that's another uh, Vegas icon that out in front of it. Instead of having a giant. Uh, what is it? It's the Bellagio that has the giant fountains in the, out in front of it, and the uh, Mirage has a volcano that like erupts on the every half hour, I think. Okay. And it's all done with. It's not done with, you know, molten lava because that would be silly. You know what they use is you know water and lighting effects because water is so prevalent around the uh, Las Vegas area. Well, of course, in the desert. Yeah, exactly. There's 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 tons of it just hanging around there. There's not. I, I have never been to Vegas, so I am completely lost at picking out the milestone or the, the landmarks. It, but it's been a long time. I've I haven't been since oh Lord, since before the birth of my first child. So it's hmm. been about about fifteen, sixteen years. So there's probably been significant changes, but I think around the time yeah, this is just this just would have been around the time that I last went to Vegas. So a lot of these uh a lot of these buildings and a lot of these casinos are pretty uh, contemporary from when I'd been there. But yeah, I don't have any other notes for this. You know, it was... The, I, I just had one more thing. and on, on, on the last page, he makes the jab about the invisible ship, which, you know, I, I, none of the humor in the book is really mean-spirited, even though he is taking the make out of stuff. It's, it's Like you said, it's not mean-spirited, but I thought that was maybe a little, yeah. little, little sharp. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can't disagree with you there. I think that was kind of uh, the invisible jet. It, it, if if it's done right, like I think it was in, say, the Justice League animated or the Justice League Unlimited, where it was more that the ship had sort of a cloaking device. Mm-hmm. behind it that it wasn't necessarily invisible if you got into it it looked like you know there were two people just sitting down floating <laughs> through the middle of the air i i think if you take into that account it'd be interesting but yeah this is just him sort of not really just sort of jabbing at the idea of wonder woman's invisible jet being a sort of goofy concept so yeah the, the throughout the the majority of the book he's being polite in his dismissal of certain ideals and philosophies not only you know have, be it religious or intellectual but comic book as well but here it does seem sort of like a a bit of a mean-spirited jab yeah but yeah like i said not my favorite especially coming off the superman book it's difficult to 
to follow up with this, but not awful. It's not something that's going to make me say, oh, I don't want to read any more tangent books. Right. But it's it's just Peter David. So yeah. it's Peter David being Peter David. There you go. And again, I think it speaks well of the line in general that even the books we aren't as fond of are still ones that aren't bad. Yes. Or that we can still find good things to say about. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there, there, there is yet to be one where we have just been, oh, this is despicable. Why right. did we read this? Thank, thank goodness that Rob Liefeld didn't have anything to do with any of the Tangent universe. The horror. <laughs> the horror. What was he doing at this point? That's a, um, that's a separate... Pro- probably uh, probably not, shilling not, for Levi's. Not putting out issues of Wild... Or what was it called? Uh, yeah, the Wildcats. Uh, Wildcats. That, was, uh, that was Jim Lee... Uh, uh, young blood. blood, yeah, yeah. That was probably he was probably he was probably behind by like six months on issue seven of Young Blood by this time. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right. Well, next episode we're going to be paying our first return visit to one of the books from the first wave, as we get another visit to Nightwing with Nightwing Night Force, and it's by the same creative team as that book, uh, writer John Ostrander and artist Jander Sema. So should be fun to revisit that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be interesting to see how Drusemma's uh, art has, uh, if it has changed and if, or if it still maintains the sort of very 90s look. You know, it'll be, it'll be interesting after we saw um, Black Orchid in the Superman issue, how she goes back to being penned by uh, Jander Samra, so a tiny waist and no spine. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. <laughs> uh, but until then, thanks to uh, Gene and Dave and Mark for writing in. We, we're, we really do appreciate everybody that writes in. And if you want to write in, the email and website address and Facebook stuff, it's all in the closing tags. So be sure to write in because we do really like hearing from folks. But until next uh, next episode. Yeah, it is the episode, right? Yes, it is. Okay. Until next episode, uh, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye, everyone. listening to Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast, hosted by me, Michael Bradley, and me, Sean Ingle. The show can be downloaded from a variety of places, most notably Michael's website, greatcrypton.com, where you can find show notes, cover images, and a section for leaving comments about the episodes. It also can be found on iTunes by searching for Parallel Lines. And if you happen to use iTunes, please take some time out to leave a review maybe even a five-star one. Every review helps more people find out about the show. The show is also on Facebook, where you can like us and get updates when new shows are posted. Plus, images, plot elements, and general discussion about the books can be found there as well. Want to send feedback about the episode? Send us an email at tangent at greatcrypton.com. All feedback is warmly welcomed, and we will definitely read your comments on the show. 
When Michael and I aren't doing shows about alternate DC Comics history, we're busy doing tons of other geeky stuff on the internet. For instance, Michael does a podcast about Superman and Batman team-ups, cleverly titled Superman and Batman. And Sean hosts a number of podcasts, including Just One of the Guys, Walking Dead Wednesday, The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, Listen to the Prophets, and Who True Freaks. And all of these shows can be found over at twotruefreaks.com. Speaking of Two True Freaks, if you ever feel like making a purchase from Amazon.com, please use the Amazon link at twotruefreaks.com. After clicking the link, any purchase you make at Amazon will shoot a percentage of money back to the Two True Freaks website. It won't cost you anything extra, but it really helps out a great bunch of podcasters. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next time for another episode of Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast. Because in the Tangent Universe, you only know the names. It's like I'm drunk.